0: Welcome to The Fix Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Robeck. Each week on our show, we invite a special guest to share their knowledge on health, wellness, and better daily habits, so you can have the life you deserve. Let's get started. Today, we have Dr. Sam Wegg on the show. He's our reoccurring guest, and our topic is pain. We're going to discuss how you can manage pain and when pain is actually a good warning signal for us. And when we have it, what should we do about it? Sam, welcome back to the show. No pain, no gain. How do you feel about that, Sam? Um,
1: <laughs> well, a uh, sentence and phrase we're pretty familiar with and I have an answer that a lot of people don't like. It really depends. (laughs) And we say this for a lot of things because it depends on you as a person. It depends on your body and it depends what we're going for. Um, And we'll break this down, what it means for a workout and what it just means for your life. If that pain is gaining
0: or if that pain is painful. Right. I know that I've had both and um, I really enjoy the pain of gaining. I'm not a big fan of that chronic, nagging, aching pain from an injury from the past. Uh, So let's navigate the pain that's actually rewarding for us first.
1: Yeah. When we talk about the um, pain and gain that we want in the gym and we're trying to push it, you know, when we go in there, we're challenging our body. We're trying to stimulate our body to produce something that doesn't exist. So we're lifting heavier weights or we're pushing more volume or we're working out longer than we have before to make our body adapt to that. So we can come back and be that bigger, stronger person. Um, I think we all know directly in the gym when it's just too much pain, <laughs> when your friend is like, come on, man, you can do that. And you act the extra weight. And as soon as you touch the bar, you're just like, this isn't me.
0: right? <laughs> um,
1: and it's too much, but we do need to push to a, place of uncomfortability so that we can create that change. So the type of pain that you like, it is being challenged with that new exercise. It's taking your body out of that comfort zone a little bit Mm -hmm. so that we can change and that's our good pain. Um, And we can talk a little bit more about exactly what that means.
0: Yeah. And then, and also with, we're talking about muscle growth and getting stronger, but it also comes down to cardiovascular health. We have to push ourselves to feel our heartbeat, our lungs pump and breathe and expand and contract. And we have to feel that energy inside of us to make that change as well.
1: Yeah. And you know, exercise is for multiple different reasons. We talk about this a lot, but when I like when you say that about pushing that cardiovascular part. That's kind of painful too if you have never run before and mm. you go to uh you just set out even that 1 mile run. Not so fun no. because your lungs are screaming, your legs are screaming, your body hasn't necessarily produced or moved blood around to that level of demand, as far as oxygen demand from your muscles in a long time, it's a lot different to sit down and just do arm curls. And you can feel that burning in your bicep, but think of how big the muscles are in your legs and your glutes and your calves and how much motions going on. You have the same heart that is getting that blood and oxygen out to those muscles. So if we're not used to that part, and I mentioned this on the cardio, because ultimately If you have no cardiovascular ability, it's going to be a lot harder for you to just add muscle because your body is really intelligent. So if you're just putting on more and more muscle, but ultimately your body doesn't can't increase its ability to get that blood and oxygen there until you increase how effective your heart is. And that can be done some different ways. Um, But I guess back to that (laughs) So we can move forward on like the pain and gain on the workout part. If you finish a workout and that next day you are kind of sore to the touch, that's okay for like a day. But if that is created for a week, that's really way too much stimulus. And really that soreness to the touch should probably be the first or second time of getting into like a new exercise. But as we go forward in our training, you're going to notice that less and less, and you're going to have to challenge yourself in other ways. and. I actually um you might have a different take on this but my view as if you're a really conditioned athlete and you're training more and more and more it's not making it harder by doing way more way heavier but it's maybe zeroing in and kind of going the reverse now you're zeroing in on one area and pushing that really hard and it could be for a short amount of time but this is a way we can still evolve ourselves and challenge because you wouldn't have been able to do maybe four or five exercises, no break, all on the same muscle group, really close together when you first started working out. But over time, we could work back to that. And that could be a great challenge to continue to push and evolve yourself.
0: You're we've all well for people that go to the gym or maybe people seeing. um people working out outdoors now, obviously for obvious reasons, you think it's necessary Sam for us, th- for people to be exerting themselves with this high inter- intensity interval training, where you can actually see them lying on their back, soaked and breathing so hard, where it looks like they're almost going to throw up <laughs> or pass out. Is that, you know, we talk about no pain, no gain. That's a perfect example of, are we really helping ourselves going into that mode? And is it necessary? So back to my favorite answer. It depends. (laughs) Um, So
1: when we talk about like a high intensity interval training, that's great. And that's a great way to stimulate your body. But if you are sacrificing how hard you push yourself for a form, that is where I think you don't need to do that because um, for instance, If you're training and you want to sprint a lot faster, you'd actually only maybe do a few reps, but you want to train at full speed and you want to be fully rested each time you go into that. So to pick on, not to pick on, but, um, what I don't like programming wise, if you're to see a, like a CrossFit workout where you're fitting in like a 400 meter run, and then you're doing a deadlift and pull-ups and burpees, and then doing another 400 meter run, that in itself is an Olympic event, 400 meter run. Mm. So how efficient do you think you're doing that? Not being an Olympic sprinter and then doing four really hard exercises before it. And fatiguing out all those muscles are muscle. You have muscles that are stabilizing to allow those work muscles to work. So when you're sprinting to be a really effective sprinter, you have to be a strong person. So when I say that, like, it depends. Well, if my end goal is just to really to break a sweat and get my heart rate up, I could do that workout. We can do some burpees. We can do maybe a light deadlift and go through a couple of exercises and then add in a lap around the track. But if my intention is to become a much better, faster sprinter, I don't think that's effective for you. So it comes down to what is our end goal? And then are you pushing yourself to, it's fine to be exhausted and to be sweating. And honestly, like your heart to feel like it's beating like crazy, but can you get to that point in a safe way? Right. Because I can go, um, we both have rowing machines in our office. We can go sit on those and strap in. And I could tell you, go all out for a minute. And I bet you can maintain a pretty good form for that and really push. But if I tell you to go all out for five, it's like after that minute, you've probably really lost your form unless you're a really conditioned rower. Right. So what's our end goal? Um, And there's time and space for everyone to push to that level. And I think you should find that thing for you. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's um, getting on the punching bag. It can be anything. But what with great form can you bring your heart rate way up?
0: Right. know your limits, be have self-awareness and also go within reason to what your body is capable of doing at the current time. If you're um, a good example would be if you're early 50s, been sedentary for a bit, um, haven't been outside for a while, been locked indoors or working from home. And then you see a group of people doing high intensity work and you become part of that group understand that trying to suffer into the pain point that they might be going to will be unhealthy for you. And that ramp up is necessary. So when you say no pain, no gain, sometimes that isn't appropriate. And sometimes we have to allow ourselves not to feel that much discomfort in the beginning to allow ourselves to experience a discomfort later on.
1: Yeah. Um, A kind of analogy that comes to me is, was we love to talk about our body as a vehicle. So if Sean's body as a vehicle is like, um, we'll say a a Jeep that's set up for off-roading and he's kind of like really wants to go off-roading and my vehicle is more like a sports performance car. So we're on the same road, just going down the road. And he's like, Hey, take this track for me. Meaning like, this is our workout for today. Right. So what doesn't happen in normal life is we don't really look at each other and say like, Hey, my car doesn't even make the clearance on that dirt road. Right. Like that's not a workout for me. And that's totally fine for my vehicle. Right. So a good workout for me on that first day, if I wanted to do Sean's workout is like, Hey, I'm going to bring my car in. We're actually going to look at some different options. I'm going to upgrade my tires. So that's a workout. So maybe that's getting my grip to where it needs to be or my shoulder strength or something. And we're going to work up to changing that vehicle to have that ability. And I will say our body isn't just a vehicle because it can change. It can mold. We have abilities to do different things. But just like in that example, if I'm that sports car and I just go right for that, it's going to be a lot of pain for me to try to do some of those things that this off-road vehicle is set up for. So it's not that we can't transition to it but you can see how foolish it would seems on a car. If you're like, what the hell is that Lamborghini doing here? Like that makes no sense. He's never going to get up that rock. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, Thank you for that. Uh, uh, we are going to discuss now what pain is in the most basic sense and how that's a stimulus for us to be aware of it for obvious reasons. Yeah. So You want to define pain is pain? exactly
1: that message from the outside world about what's going on. If I touch a hot stove, that is a message, that's a hot stove and I shouldn't touch it. And that message travels really fast. If that message is more like a gentle ache, maybe in my back, it's telling me that there is discomfort. My body's not functioning and handling the weight that it normally should. And I shouldn't move and alleviate that. And these signals will continue to persist until they get an answer or until they get sick of not getting an answer. So, when you, um, if I go on that off road trip with Sean in my sports car, as soon as we're just going on the road and the clearance of my vehicle is pinging off those rocks, that's a little bit of pain. That's like, well, this maybe isn't the best thing for you. Right. And we say this because maybe this is that friend that's like, no, a back squat's the best. You got to do this. And like if your vehicle's not ready for that, you don't need to do that that day. We can progress to those things. But that little bit of pain is that first warning sign of this is not the best setup for you or just my body getting into this position is not so good. So in a really simple manner of how intelligent our body is, if you have compression in any joint in your body doesn't matter if it's your wrist or your ear, it does decrease your overall power output. And that's going to be kind of relatable to the area. So if I can press my low back, my body doesn't want me to be able to put us out as much power to try to stop me from doing something that would make it worse. Like going in deadlifting, going in weightlifting really heavy, maybe going in running. It's trying to slow you down so you can heal. And then go back to that. So the sooner we pay attention to these signs, these pain signals, the faster and better you can be. And um, if you don't know, Sean and I are both males. Um, Males are really stubborn. And 99% of our patients that are males come in with problems that they've had for a little bit. (laughs) And if you can pay attention to this, those pain signals in the beginning. And instead of saying, Oh, my neck hurts a little bit, but it's, what, it's not going to kill me. Well, yeah, it's not going to kill you. But if you can just stretch that out, get mobile, that could go away right then we could deal with it instead of five months of, well, it didn't kill me, but now I'm sitting in front of you because it's been pissing me off for five months. That's right. It doesn't have to be like that because you've had a lowered power output for five months. So how pissed are you now that your workout was less, your sleep was less, every single thing, every factor that leads to you being happy, healthy, adding muscle, burning fat was less.
0: Pain is probably the best gift we have in our body. It's a warning light telling us what's going on. And, and oftentimes, um, let's just use your example of being stubborn males. We choose to ignore the one of the best gifts that we're given. And it's a gift to make sure we have a better quality of life down the road and we have longevity and we don't destroy our vehicle, whether it be a Lamborghini or an off-road vehicle. It's that gift that oftentimes is that warning light that we say, I'm good. I'm going to fight past it. And again, we talked about no pain, no gain. When it comes down to this pain that's telling you, please stop, or I'm going to give you pain so you don't exert as much force, so you're not going to be as functional or as strong. We have to listen. And then we have to adapt and overcome. And when we listen to our body, we can say, okay, something's not right. You know what? I tossed and turned all night because it was hard to lie on my side and because my shoulder hurt and to lie on my back because my back hurt and I had poor sleep. What am I going to do on a daily basis to make some changes so I don't suffer like this so the pain goes away so my body can heal? Don't ignore the warning lights uh, because the no pain, no gain concept, the, that is a, it's a strengthening conditioning concept. But now we were talking about chronic pain, injuries from the past that are coming back to haunt us. What should we be conscious of and how can we make better daily changes or our daily habits to help this?
1: Um, I honestly think the biggest habit that people can start to implement is a mobility routine when they first get up. Um, people get scared of the word routine, but all I mean by routine is that you routinely do it. It doesn't have to be the same. And this does not have to be a long time. I personally either listen to one song or I set a timer for five minutes. I either start head to toe or toe to head, and I will go through and just move those joints. And I'm using this as an assessment. So when I do the normal ranges of motion of my neck, if I'm feeling a little bit of discomfort, I don't need to go back and forth if that one's not bothering me. But if looking over my shoulders is hard to my left side, I'm going to take that into account and I'm going to try to work that motion and have it be pain free. Rather than just go through my day like ah my neck hurts, my neck hurts, it's still bugging me. So as I go down through my body, that is an amazing just check in for you. So. If you're going through, just doing some mobility, stretching out those areas where you're feeling a little discomfort, you're feeling a little stuck. If you have a workout later in the day, doing some additional stretching in that area, strengthening the muscle on the opposite side that will help correct. But using that information to help guide that exercise, because just
0: like you said, uh, go ahead. I was going to say with Sam, Sam lives in a world where he practice what he preaches. And Sam was given a diagnosis of having an autoimmune condition called Schuermann's disease. And he had a doctor that said, you know what? You're going to be um, hunched forward and in chronic pain for your entire life. I'm sorry. And Sam's like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I'm not okay we're done here. And now I'm going to be (laughs) proactive and I'm going to make some changes. So pain is not going to be a part of my life and it's not going to affect my quality of life long-term. And so when Sam gives examples of what he does, it's because he's protecting himself for his future and he's been very successful at it.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't always that way until I was really educated on each of the pieces, you know, how our nutrition affects it, how our hydration, um, really even our thoughts, how this changes our internal chemistry, Um, I mean, there was one point working with Sean where my back bothered me all the time. So now it's never like that. Everything is just a resource.
0: Um, And you remember those days when, do you remember those days where it'd be like, can you adjust my back? I'm just so sore right now. Can you adjust my back? This was like eight years ago. Um, You know, we've been together that long, longer actually. And, you Mm -hmm. know, now we've educated ourselves um, and been more proactive over the last decade. uh, And we're realizing that, you know, you and I are chiropractors, we can speak like this chiropractic and physical therapy wasn't enough to help this. You had to help, you had to work with your internal chemistry to maximize the correction. So you're de inflamed. So you don't feel those symptoms and you ultimately don't uh, succumb to that diagnosis you are given.
1: Yeah. Ultimately that's why we're here doing what we do is for both of us uh, as we, you know, we're lifelong learners. And as we keep going forward, you have to tie together all the pieces and having someone just do a part of it. It's not enough. And we, uh, we got frustrated as providers trying to educate people just within a visit of, uh, what nutrition is and hydration. And just like we said a lot in this podcast, it has to be right for you. You know, it depends, depends on you. depends what our goal is. Depends where you're already at. It depends like what your schedule is like, because it's totally different. Um, and going back to the, uh, how we recover, what you were saying about the sleep, right? If you're that person that every morning you wake up, you're like, Oh, didn't sleep well. Cause of my shoulder, cause of my back, cause of my neck. Well, sticking with a car example that we love when you sleep, that's when your pit crew gets to work in your body. Yep. So when you work out, you want to create a stimulus that puts that pit crew to work in the right places. So if I go in and you, you want a bigger chest, right? And you work out your chest and you stimulate that. Correct. You supply that with the right nutrition. You're hydrated. You're, Hormones are in the right place that they should. When you go to sleep at night, your body can really focus on repairing that stimulus and actually our body will over repair. So that's why we do get bigger. We get stronger. But if I create that stimulus and it's way too much now, my body on top of that, I have this very overstimulated area, but maybe my diet is not good. And there's other areas that are priority your body is always going to work on that engine first. So it's going to keep your heart going. It's going to repair what it needs to for your brain. And if you're trying to create this stimulus, your body doesn't really care about making your biceps bigger when your engine is consistently about to burn out. Right. So if you're frustrated of not ever making a change, you can't work your way out of a bad diet. You can't work your way out of bad hormones. So take that signal of like, holy shit, I've been sleeping like shit for three months because my shoulder hurts. So until you fix that, your pit crew clearly is not repairing that overnight. It still hurts. So it's getting your other things back to baseline and it's really bringing that injury back to baseline. It's working on it, but you're not giving it either the manpower or the man hours.
0: You're um For listeners out there, Sam, uh, has created guides for our topics this is our pain guide and you can find these guides on our website at fixbodygroup.com uh, wealth of information and if uh, some of this is uh, overwhelming we can you can certainly use that as a resource uh, you know and on that guide one thing that made me laugh uh, when I was reading through it was uh, you know what to do about pain and one thing you said well if your insides are coming, out to your outsides, you probably want to get medical attention. Uh, So let's go down when you should uh, focus on how you should focus on certain pain.
1: Yeah. That's a great rule of thumb. Um, if you're seeing a part of your body that you've never seen probably call somebody and seek help outside of yourself. Yes. Uh, that goes for the males. Yes. <laughs> like, I got this duct tape it. Um, if you want to, if you want to retain function, probably safe to get some help. Right. But outside of that, when you have an injury, um, there's a couple things and it does depend on some of the areas we have, of course, very specialized resources. If it's a neck injury or a low back injury, spinal cord problems, there's definitely things that you can do to help yourself before you get to us. So please go to our YouTube channel. We have those low back, like saver exercises on there for you, yep. but kind of general rule of thumb when we first get hurt with, um, I typically will tell patients within that six hour first six hours, you can ice. That's if it's really bad pain. And I think I said in the guide, like if it's changing your facial expression, you can't sit comfortably, but there's no like broken skin, anything like that. You know, we don't think we have a break, but maybe that bad sprain, something like that. I'm okay with you icing at first that the pain is really severe. However, heat is going to be your friend for healing. I uh, always go back to our body's hyper intelligent. We inflame and swell up so that we can increase the healing. I go back to the example of if there's an accident on the road, it's a two-lane highway. That's going to really back everything up when we get the cops involved, EMS, everything there that needs to be there. Well, if we could expand that highway temporarily from two lanes to eight, we could keep a regular flow of traffic plus get everything taken care of. Right. So that's what inflammation is. But we are like, well, oh, I said, get rid of the inflammation. That's not what you want to do. They're like, quick, shut it down to a dirt road. That's really dumb. <laughs> So even the guy that created rest ice uh, compression elevation came out and said, like, I was wrong. This is not the fastest way to heal because we want to get more blood to the area. So if you're in excruciating pain, ice it. If you can deal with the pain and you want to get it better, faster, start start with the heat or just let it swell. As far as expediting, and patients always want to know, how can we increase our performance? How can we get back out there even faster? Contrasting ice and heat is a great way to do that, because when we go cold, it's going to really slow down. Now you hit it with the heat; we open everything up. So as you keep going back and forth, you're creating this pumping mechanism, and you're really forcing blood through there. We like complicated answers in life for whatever reason, but we also like the shortcut. So. These things are so simple and all our body needs is oxygen and new blood to those areas to heal. And for us to take away the bad things, take away the nutrition that creates the inflammation, take away, you know, the negative thoughts that are changing the hormones, but supplying the environment. So. In a long answer, that's what you can do.
0: <laughs> well, you know, the that's all, good, that's all good and fine, Sam, and I 100% agree, and it was very well said. But let's talk about these chronic stubborn injuries that never go away. Let's say it's this, like, big toe issue <laughs> that makes mm-hmm. you limp for a year, which compromises <laughs> your gait, which creates lower back pain and eventually headaches. Why are these things not recovering?
1: So, with these things, the first thing we want to do is just restore that range of motion. Because if you have an area of your body, like, for instance, your back, and when you go to lean back, it creates some pain. So over time, if you decide to never do that, your body and kind of the fabric of your body is going to get very used to you being in those four positions. And it's going to mold to that and make it easier for you, even though it's not healthier or better. It's going to adapt to what you've been putting in as a stimulus. So the first thing with any injury, and even if that area, maybe it doesn't hurt anymore. And we see this a lot where patients, maybe you've rolled your ankle 30 times. Well, you have more of those coming down the road unless we go back and actually strengthen those tissues so it can be resilient to that stress. So step one is always increasing and getting back to a pain-free range of motion in that area. And this can be gentle, it can happen over time, but that's what we start with working on is we manually break it down and then we give the patient's guidance on what you can do at home. And if you have areas that are stuck, again, our YouTube is full of mobility, for each area. So you can open this up and that's where you can really start the process right. before you get to us where it's like, now we're going to break down exactly what's holding you back. But restoring that pain-free range of emotions are step one before we start to strengthen.
0: And before we get into strengthen, there are some areas you have a great analogy for this. And I'm hoping you go down that path because it's, it <laughs> just opens up people's minds to understanding. Um, Some areas have a lot of blood, um, the hamstring, huge amount of blood flow to the hamstring. So if you pull your hamstring going to heal pretty well, unless you continue to re-injure it over and over again because of poor recovery and rest. Um, however, there are some areas in our body that lack blood supply. And, uh, if we don't understand that concept and the requests from that area for help, uh, it can be a lingering chronic problem sometimes forever.
1: Yeah, if you ever injured maybe your wrist or your ankle, those areas, uh, those small bones in our wrists, are the only way they get blood supply is by movement. You know, our muscles have built-in blood supply. But a lot of our joints, they're dependent on the muscles that move close to them. And they're dependent on us moving. And unfortunately, what happens sometimes with pain is because your wrist hurts, you stop doing that thing that creates pain and then you stop moving it and then it becomes really kind of immobile. And the analogy I use is like your body being a city and these areas are kind of like these little outskirt cities, little suburbs, and they're sending that distress signal to the main area of town. And if after a while it doesn't get any help, now that suburb area, when you go to visit it, go to use it, go to enjoy it, doesn't work like it used to because no one's been working there. It hasn't been getting electricity, water, all the supplies that it's used to getting. So just because the pain went away, it's really like that messenger went away, but the problem didn't. So that's just like a messenger standing there telling you something in your ear. Yep, 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 yep. You're not listening to him. Eventually it goes away. The message he was delivering you because of the problem never went away. It's still there. So we really have to uh, take some extra attention, like doing that ice, the hot, cold contrast. That's great for when we see patients with hand injuries, with foot injuries, with those um, joint problems, we have to use other sources to really force the blood there and take some extra attention. And there's exercises we can do to bring it there. There's modalities we can use, but we have to get those supplies to the area or else that's like your pit crew. pit crew showing up to work. No tools, yep. no supplies. So like, but just fix it.
0: That's <laughs> right. Can't. And you know, the, uh, uh, it's a great, Segue for me to step in on uh when a patient comes in and they see us, a lot of times we go and attack that area in a semi-aggressive way. And we may use tools or instruments to actually irritate that region. A good example would be dry needling or acupuncture mm-hmm. um, or scraping tools, um, or just our thumbs of trying to break up tissue. And what we're doing is telling the nervous system, hey, you're not done fixing this area. Wake up. Send the helper cells down here. We need to remodel this tissue and we need to have some more focus in this region. And so even though that's why some people like will come in and be like, I'm here for my torture treatment. And it's because we're literally attacking that source to make sure the nervous system knows that it still has work to do in that region.
1: Yeah. It's like you, have you know, being the mayor of that main city and you're like, all right, I'm finally going to go check out that area. And you go there and it's like, you're kind of putting your flag down like in acupuncture or dry needling. And you're saying, yeah, we need to get resources here. And you're kind of getting that going again. And that's very true that when we go through treatment, oftentimes patients do feel worse when we first start to treat. And I'm very transparent about that as if I do a great job, you could leave here feeling way worse okay. because when you have an injury, your body's just going to layer compensation after compensation over that. My job is to go back through those in a way that makes sense and where I'm not going to leave you like raw and unstable, but to get as close, make as much progress as we can and put you in a good place where we can now strengthen around and get back to that for the original you. Yeah.
0: And that's a great segue into strengthening because you, you, once pain's gone, it doesn't mean you're better. right? The warning signal turned off. It's like, thank you for paying attention to me. I'm going to reward you by not torturing you through the night um, and allowing you to have some range of motion back without that pinching pain or burning pain. And um, now it's our responsibility to be mature adults and not take that for granted and get back into the activity that caused the pain too quick and get more into a strengthening program to stabilize that region.
1: Yeah. Um, Starting by once we get the range of motion, stabilizing those small muscles, the muscles that help hold the joint and the bones where they're supposed to be, and then getting the ability to use the big muscles. What I mean by getting the ability is like training the motion so that neurologically, your body gets used to performing that. What I mean by that is every single thing that we do, we create neurological connections. So most people are familiar with muscle memory. Right. Think about when you're, if you're driving your car right now listening to us, you're able to multitask and do a lot of things. Hopefully, not you're paying attention, but in your mind, there's a lot going on. And you're moving, you're weaving your car through traffic, you're hitting multiple signals, you're intaking all these things, and you're still daydreaming about what we're talking about and simultaneously processing it. So, there's so much going on because you've created these neural connections that when you go to drive, it's just autopilot almost. And your body just knows how to react to every single one of those stimuluses because we've created that program. Right. So when we go to create a new program, like I want to be really efficient at deadlift. Well, once we get the motion, that's pain-free so you can go through it. Now we want to train that a really lightweight. So again, back to our analogy, if Sean is the off-road vehicle and I'm that sports car, it's like, now we've changed out the tires on your car. You know, we're on the path. It's like your vehicle's a little more lifted. So we can start to do this. So you're progressing. You don't have to go right into let's max out or five sets of five really heavy, but train the motion. And then we can start to really train it for strength. Because the biggest thing that we see We're treating people with injuries because they're going on that trip with their friend (laughs) because they're like using their vehicle for what it's not ready for. And the way we rehab it is by building that foundation so that neurologically you have a program in your brain and knows what to do because what happens so often someone has a weight and they kind of something moves a little wrong and they get all this pain because they don't have a program and their body is not aware of how to compensate to keep it safe. But if you go through that slow, just like if you were to learn a golf swing, you want to full speed. You're like, Hey, just pick that thing up and swing as fast as you can. There's a lot of pieces that have to happen correctly. So you'd break that down. So in those motions, when we get the pain free motion, train the stabilizing muscles, train the pattern pain-free, and then we can start to go up and weight, or else, You're going to wait till you get injured. And then when you see us, we're going to work backwards through that whole thing. So what I'm trying to say is save yourself a ton of time by training that motion to some perfection and work with someone or YouTube it, find good resources to get the right form and really train that because you will save yourself so much and you'll actually have an ability to super excel at that. But if you're, um, I've had a lot of sports injuries and a lot of them I can tie back to not taking exactly that time. And then eventually a muscle got hurt. That was compensating. I, w- I so think that's that, a lot of off time,
0: a lot of off time. And the for the patients or the people listening um, that are okay with pain based on activities that they want to perform because they love them so much and they can actually prep themselves knowing that they're going to suffer consequences <laughs> later. Uh, a good example would be Buddy's coming into town and golfing four days in a row or pay, playing 36 holes of golf in one day, but you have a chronic lower back condition and understanding saying, I know I'm going to be hurting on Monday um, and I'm going to go through it and I'm going to see you or us um, afterwards so I can be fixed now. Understand those are choices and with choices come consequences. I'd like people to understand that when they go down that path without properly strengthening themselves or creating mobility and then strength to, to tolerate that stress, what you're doing is creating a chronic inflammatory cycle that will ultimately de- lead to degenerative changes of that region even further than they are now which will compromise your quality of life down the road. So remember that pain that you know you're going to suffer with by the choice because you love that choice so much is going to limit your ability to have that choice down the road. So please be proactive, take action, and make sure you're doing things so you can enjoy your, quality, your life when you're in your 70s with that same activity.
1: Yeah, uh I ultimately I think that really boils down to our view on lifespan it doesn't have to be the way that it is where you know your peak years are maybe just that 20 to 40s so that drives people to make decisions where you're like screw it I'm gonna enjoy this while I'm here it doesn't have to be like that if you just get control over these couple levers that we've been talking about mostly which is your nutrition your um that, how you exercise your hormones and then really um, your mindset through this, but if we can control those things, you're not going to get to a point where you are kind of trapped in this vehicle that doesn't serve you that well. And there's way too many things to fix. So being, being proactive consistently, just a little bit every day makes all the difference. That's just like putting the right fuel in your vehicle.
0: That's right. So Sam, for our listeners, if there's one takeaway you'd want them to remember from this discussion, what would it be?
1: (sighs) who listen to the pain they are getting from your body and get consistent with checking in with it just by having that mobility routine in the morning. So you can see and list kind of intake what your body's telling you.
0: That's right. You stole mine, but I'm going to take another one. Sleep (laughs) is where your body recovers. If you're getting poor sleep, you're not going to get better. And you must focus on what you're doing um, to limit your sleep and fix it we have a sleep, we have a sleep guide as well. Um, we have a sleep podcast. Uh, we are all about great sleep at fixed body group. So please source those, uh, references so you can actually uh, make some changes that are favorable for you.
1: Exactly. Don't sleep on those changes.
0: <laughs> great way to end it, Sam, our reoccurring guests. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thanks for having me. Of course.
0: Have a great rest of your day. Hey everyone. I hope you enjoyed our show. If you did, please like and subscribe to stay tuned. See you next week on another episode of the Fix Podcast.